Well, good evening. A little jet lagged here. Just arrived in from Toronto where I was speaking at the National Women's Health and Wellness Conference uh, about vaginal atrophy. Vaginal dryness is the hallmark symptom. I know that's not a pleasant subject. We have a lot more pleasurable subjects here tonight on the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show, the show where we educate men and women about sexual health, how it relates to overall health, making relationships the best they can be. I am Maureen McGrath. I am your host. Uh, Last week I was talking about my package, if you recall. I don't have a package. I just want to clarify that. But if you have a package, you may want to call into the show 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your sell or you can email me sextalk at cknw.com because the company that makes my package and it's just fabulous underwear for men it dare I say it retails for $25 a piece <laughs> so it's it's good and I wore it this week because I actually was presenting out in uh, Steveston to some the Steveston's mom's network and I forgot my own underwear so I thought oh heck I'll put the package on even though my package I don't have a package I had nothing to put in it but nonetheless I just wanted to test the fabric and it was fabulous Uh, So give me a call and you will win some underwear. You know, I'll give you a few pairs if you like. And I might give you another added little gift as well. So give me a call and you can win that. Anyway, um, I no matter what you do, no matter how much you love each other, you just never know how much more time you're going to get. And I loved reading that because there is a couple here in British Columbia who got married this summer, and he has been diagnosed with terminal cancer. I'm going to use that term loosely or lightly because I don't think anybody can tell you that it's going to end, especially given my experience as a nurse working in hospitals. um, There's really nobody that can predict that, Um, and I always have hope. But he and his wife uh, married in, in the summer, and he's defied the odds, and he's uh, living well past his time, um, which is fantastic. His name is Ryan Langley, and his wife Alyssa uh, say that the realization of his diagnosis shocked the two of them to the core. But you know, this depicts and underscores what I say: there's the neurochemistry of love and lust exists, and I wish them all the best. And um, uh, hopefully, Ryan, you're feeling well and continue to get better over time. Um, and I do hope you get that long overdue honeymoon. Anyway, um, tonight in the studio, it's uh, I'm very honored to have a couple of powerful women here with me. Jane Thornthwaite is joining me very shortly. Jane is the MLA from North Vancouver. She is one of the strongest women I know. She's one of the hardest working women I know. I cannot say enough about her courage and her persistence and her stamina. And did I just say stamina on the sex show? I did, but you know what I meant. I didn't mean, uh, <laughs> um, but she's amazing. She never, she never has a day off. Um, she is the Parliamentary Secretary for Student Support and Parent Engagement, and she's also the chair of the Select Standing Committee for Children and Youth. And this spring, their committee embarked on a special project on child and youth mental health. She also has a bullying uh, video that she, her team, she and her team have developed, and she's going to update us on the Erase Bullying event that occurred last year, which I attended. Uh, so welcome to the studio, Jane. Great to have you. Thanks, Maureen. Great to have you here. And also Kathy Kovacs is here as well. And she is a former CTV sports broadcaster turned author and freelance journalist. And it's an honor to have you here as well. Thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. And we're going to be talking about some of the, in addition to uh, the great work that Jane and her team have done in government, we're also going to be talking to um, Kathy and Jane about the challenges that they have faced as women in male-dominated 
uh, worlds, uh, work worlds in particular. Been there myself, so we're gonna we should be having a great conversation. But you know, this is equal opportunity here, and Cal Desange is going to join me later on in the program. Uh, we actually spoke; uh, he's going to join me by pre-record um, uh, about girls and gangs, and really interesting information about that. So that'll be a little bit later in the program, and of course on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, my Twitter is at back the number two the bedroom. I have promised you my sure fire hot sex tips because what am I hearing out there? I'm hearing that. The men are bored having boring sex, and that's one reason they're straying. Men in relationships, married men, I hear it quite a bit. Uh, so I decided we're gonna, I'm going to try and do what I can to help all the relationships out there. So we'll leave that to closer to 9 o'clock when it's less of a family hour. Anyway, Jane, thanks so much for uh, joining in. Can you tell me about uh, this great work you're doing? I, I watched the video, and it's fantastic. So uh, tell us about... Uh, all this work you're doing, and I really don't know how you accomplish all that. And I hate to say that because we never ask men that question. But anyway, we always ask women. <laughs> yes, right, because all the women are also stay- staying home looking after their children at the same time. And they're cleaning the house. And, and they're, they're cleaning their house, Changing yes. the tire, changing the oil. <laughs> I walked by a, a talk that some man was giving, and he said, how many of you know how to change oil in the, in the crowd? And I, I wasn't in the crowd, but I was just walking by, and nobody raised their hands. I said, I do. <laughs> I was actually taught how to change oil. So <laughs> There you go. Thanks to your dad. Yeah, thanks to my dad, exactly. Fortunately, I have a car now that only has to have the oil change once a year, and they come and do it, Very <laughs> which is nice. Um, so tell us about this work about bullying, and you know it's a subject dear to my heart as well. Well, I mean, uh, about six months to a year ago, I embarked on a project to help kids uh, prevent themselves getting to be victims of cyberbullying. And what I did was I teamed up with a uh, internationally recognized uh, social media expert, Jesse Miller, and he goes around to the schools, and elementary as well as secondary schools, and teaches kids what they should do or not do to keep them safe online. And so what I what I wanted to do is because I was fortunate enough to be able to attend some of his sessions in the schools in North Vancouver, and I know he goes to other school districts province-wide and, and other places as well, but I know that there is not always the opportunity for schools to bring him in to their schools, so I decided to make a video that basically said uh, the same message that would be able to be used by school districts, uh, not just province-wide, but obviously uh, worldwide, because the video is actually on YouTube. And it's on my website as well. But basically what we did is we talked to kids. And in this particular case, the video was done at Sherwood Park School in um, in North Vancouver in Deep Cove, an elementary school. And they were grade fives and sixes. And he would stand up in the in the class and go through all sorts of discussions on their experiences with social media, mostly through their cell phones or on laptops or on the computers, etc. But one one of the things that was the most stunning was when he told the kids that he had taken 15 minutes of his time uh, just just prior to getting there and had assessed on his own social media site what was going on, what what social media activity was going on in the region. In other words, just around Little Deep Cove. And then he put up a map on a screen for them to see that there was, you know, this much activity that was going on. And he alluded to the kids that he was going to uh, zoom in on some of the activity and show the kids. And one of the fellows in the back of the class got very upset and yelled and said, you can't do that. And Jesse said, well, you have just posted this information on the internet for the world to see, 
and you're upset that I would put it on the screen for 30 of your classmates. So it just goes to prove that these kids, they think that they're talking to their friends. They think their stuff is private, but they should know, just like we did in the olden days, don't put anything in email that you don't want on the front page of the Vancouver Sun. Don't put anything on texting unless you want it to be worldwide. And that's what these kids have to learn. Wow. I mean, I think kids have to learn it. Adults have to learn it. Everybody has to learn that. And that's the problem is that the parents, they have the, the wise experience. In other words, the life experience to know what bullying is in the school or has been when they went to school. But now through the uh, usage of social media and texting, um, Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram. Facebook, mm-hmm. Instagram, it's all 24-7, and these kids are getting sometimes bullied 24-7 nonstop. So it's not just past the schoolyard. And the parents have to understand that they have a lot to learn with regards to the technology, not that they would ever be able to keep up on it all, but they at least to be able to be educated on having the conversation with the kids. That's amazing, especially people who don't use technology or, or who are techno- technologically challenged um, may not understand and may not be able to guide their children in the proper way. So you've developed some resources for parents yes. as well, I understand. So that'll be fantastic for us to talk about when I return. Uh, so we're going to go to break now, and uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the resources and some of the other updates and some of the other work that Jane has been doing. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. <laughs> We're having a good laugh here. I meant to bring wine, but I was on a plane and <laughs> I basically slept all weekend in is Toronto. Is that cool in the gang? It is. It's <laughs> cool in the gang. <laughs> Am I dating myself? Yes, you are, Jane. <laughs> <laughs> but no, because you could have looked it up on the internet and found out who was yes. actually uh if you know the next song, then I then you're really gonna be dating yourself anyway. <laughs> the next uh Singer. Anyway, I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. It's ladies' night here tonight. It's powerful ladies' night here tonight. And Jane Thornthwaite, MLA of North Vancouver, as well as Parliamentary Secretary for Student Support and Parent Engagement uh, and Chair of the Select Standing Committee for Children and Youth um, uh, and uh, on Mental Health as well, does a lot of work around mental health, has developed tremendous video resources for parents and kids. It's on your website. You were just talking about that. Your website is... Yeah, they can check the video on uh, Jane Thornthwaite MLA dot BC dot CA. It's only seven minutes long. Yeah, no, it's really short. Yeah, which is great. And it's for kids and parents. It's just an awareness and also to alert people as to what resources are available. And then I I also refer to the erase bullying strategy that Premier Clark developed. um, And we are ongoing. We're actually on, I think, year three of a five-year project, which includes a five-year multi-level training program for 15,000 educators and community partners uh, to help them identify and address threats uh, to do with bullying. And uh, I've been involved in the Erase Bullying project that the Premier uh, launched. And it's quite spectacular because now what we've done with the kids, and there has been a um, a reporting tool that uh, was just uh, actually just reported on uh, in December, 350 reports had been submitted with high numbers coming in for verbal, social, and emotional bullying, cyberbullying, and fights. But the interesting statistics were that more than half of the reports came from females and were submitted outside of school hours. And students from grade 7, 8, and 11 submitted the highest number of reports. 27% were verbal bullying. 23% were social and emotional 
17% reported cyberbullying, 51% reported 3.30 p.m. to midnight, in other words, not school hours, and then 57% total were females. So we're seeing a lot of bullying happening. It's not just schoolyard fighting outside on the, the schoolyard. It's happening all the time, 24-7, um, through the Internet. That's amazing. That's amazing statistics. And there's so much work that needs to be done around this. Uh, I've experienced uh, being a target of, of, of a workplace bully. Uh, everyone I speak to basically has had that same experience. And women are at greater risk than, than men are, although it does happen to men as well. Um, but And it's happening to all of our kids. And that's why we really have to keep a different kind of an eye on the kids today than, than in previous years prior to the social media and um, and especially after school, if you think it's not important to be home with your children after school, you're dreaming. Um, but anyway, it's uh, it's really important to have good communication with them and, and watch the video. Seven minutes, everybody. You know, it was great that you have it in in a short amount of time because it's very impactful. I've watched it; it's extremely impactful. Great information, and it's going to help a lot of people. And it's such a far and wide reach. And thank you so much, Jane, for doing that for our kids and our families here in British Columbia and for people in the world because, as you say, it's on the internet and everybody can watch it. So that's fantastic. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So we're going to switch a little bit. Uh, well, it's kind of related because women have challenges in the workplace. I was um, trying to write a list of the things that have happened to me in the workplace, uh, which is why Kathy and you have both joined me. Uh, Kathy Kovacs, who is a CTV, a former CTV sports broadcaster turned author and freelance journalist. Thanks for joining me to talk about this often difficult subject. But also, um, you are writing a great book. So <laughs> tell me tell me about that. I love the title. I'm I'm going to alter, edit it a little bit from my book, from okay. my title. But anyway. <laughs> the, yeah, the title of the book is How to Become a Female Sports Expert Overnight. And it's a bit of a tongue-in-cheek look at becoming, you know, empowered to speak about what is usually a man-only topic, you know, no matter what age or era we come from. Exactly. You know, sports viewing, sports watching, people will say to me, well, how did you learn about sports? And they assume it was from my father, which makes sense. Uh, funnily enough, it wasn't. It was actually from my mom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, First big memory of watching sports back in 1972. Here I'm dating myself now. (laughs) And uh, watching Team Canada on a a, a fall day, September 28th. And I I saw my mom when Canada scored against the Russians uh, with 34 seconds left in the game on Vladislav Tretiak. My mom was ironing my dad's shirts. (laughs) Those those were the days, my friend. My kids go, go now my kids go, what's an iron? And my mom had tears just streaming down her cheeks when um, the the goal went in, when Paul Henderson's goal went in. And I looked at my mom and I I thought, this is really big. Like, whatever just happened here is so big. I want a piece of this because it's moved her. And ever since then, I always wanted to be a hockey player. Obviously, that didn't work out. I am too short. (laughs) Apparently, you know, it's it's all these things. A little bit, you know, and that was much before female hockey was ever even, you know, on the radar. Uh, So I started talking about it. And my brother ended up being drafted by the New York Rangers. That actually helped my career. And um, here I am now, removed from CTV, but doing a lot of freelance. And I decided that as a give back, 
to a lot of women, because that was the question I got more than anything, is what was it like? And gosh, I wish I knew more about sports. And then the men would always come up to me and say, gosh, I wish my wife knew more about sports. So this was kind of a a tongue-in-cheek look at how, though, women can actually empower themselves. If they buy that book at 10 in the morning, I swear to them, by noon, they can walk into their office or into their kitchen or wherever their husband is, and they can wow their socks off. I'm talking shock and awe. Really? I'll have yes. a copy of that, please. Absolutely. <laughs> and I'm an athlete, but I do not watch sports until the very end, until it's, you know, right. down to the and wire. A, and a lot of people assumed it was a, a book about women competing in sports, mm-hmm. but it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, I find because by and large, most of our programming on television and all the big bucks, especially down in the States, are all about men's sports and you cannot get away with it. And there's so many moms who are out there who are at a disadvantage because our kids are playing everything under the sun. And here's the moms driving, if not more than the dads. Mm -hmm. And they're sitting there and they don't have that chance to bond because they can't really associate with what the kid is going through, male or female. Right, because they've probably never played the sport because the kids have just started playing, girls have just started playing competitive sport, Especially rugby. Rugby in Vancouver is such a huge sport, especially for women, young women. Mm -hmm. And I don't think very many moms go to those games and they really have a a real hold on that and they're missing out. They're missing out on a real connect. Absolutely. So the name of your book again is? uh, How to Become a Female Sports Expert Overnight. And the G, but not the G spot, sorry. I'm so (laughs) tired. I I digress. (laughs) The sweet spot. (laughs) Fine. The oh, tag it's okay. Line. When you say G spot here, <laughs> Jane, find your don't sweet get red. spot <laughs> in sports. How to in find sport. your sweet yes. spot? In and sports, mine's going to be called How to Find G-spot. Your G Spot in Sex. <laughs> like I think that's a great. That's I right. have another title. I'm saving that uh, that one up. That's, but a, anyway. that's another book, Jane. Uh, and improve any any relationship um, because I truly believe that if you can connect on a sporting level. You you have just improved your relationships on every front, and exactly. it's surprising to see women do it, and I've seen it. Now, you're a confident, strong, competent woman, obviously a successful woman. Uh, surely you face challenges. This is a male-dominated world, that Absolutely. work world where you were. So what were some of the challenges that you faced uh, on your way up? Right. First of all, people not thinking that a woman should be in sports. It's changed a lot now, as we know. Uh, I never thought of myself as a pioneer or an advocate of women doing a man's job. I just loved sport, you know, Mm -hmm. growing up with lacrosse in my family. uh, Hockey was huge. Playing sports, but not very well. And I, I just loved it. It was what was really calling me. And I'd have people, teachers and and professors come up to me and say that's wow you're really blazing a trail and I, I didn't realize well, that was supportive. I was. that's very supportive it but, was. Were, but were, were there some of the challenges where people didn't absolutely give you the credit you deserved or absolutely and you know it was so difficult because looks do play a part in it you need the whole package but you also need to look right and I remember being in college in Alberta in tv school and they would critique your tapes. What does your hair look like? And for me, the it was always about the hair, but it was also about my face looking too fat. Mm. I was too fat. And that was such a uh, down for me. And you talk about bullying and things. There was so much um, competition among everybody that I developed a di- eating disorder as oh a result of gosh. it. And you want to look good on camera. And it's true. It does add extra poundage. And that was my teachers. Actually, I lost marks 
in school because I had what they said is a chocolate side to my face. And do you know what that is? That's that's part of your side of your face isn't as photogenic as the oh, other. Oh, I thought it was just all the chocolate that you well, consumed. Well, that was probably part <laughs> of it, Because I ate like too. 400 kisses today <laughs> in Toronto. Right? You know, it's so. interesting because there's an, uh, a study out for business women. Femininity is both an asset and a liability. And that's a little bit of what you're talking about. We it, They really say that... Um, you know, looks can be an asset, but they can also be a liability as well. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, more about that when I return. We're going to head to a break. Uh, have you had problems in the workplace? Have you been kissed? Have you been hugged? Have you been called yummy? Have you been slapped uh, in inappropriate places? Have you... Uh, been called inappropriate names or referred to in a sexual manner. Anyway, a lot of us women have. I'm Maureen McGrath. You're listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Now, if you remember him throwing underwear out to the crowd, then you are dating yourself, and nobody in this room remembers that. Anyway, <laughs> right, ladies? That's right. Um, that's Tom Jones, and he would throw out underwear to the crowd. And so I'm throwing out underwear to you. He would throw it out to women. I'm throwing it out to men. Uh, so give me a call, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell if you want to put your package in my package. <laughs> in my, <laughs> it's my package underwear. I can have so much fun with this. Anyway, <laughs> you need to make my package for women. My... <laughs> That could be really bad. All right. Anyway, we're talking about uh, what it is like for women to work in men's world. I've done it myself. I do it a lot. I have teams that I work with that are largely male. And there's certain things that they think they can say to you. I, uh, an example I gave to Jill Bennett this morning on the Jill Bennett Show was I was working in a uh, biotech. I was doing some consulting for a biotech company, and I had arranged a meeting with the EPA, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, because I'd done some work with them before, so I knew how it was done. And so I organized it, and then at the meeting later they said, wasn't Maureen, a man said, wasn't Maureen a darling to organize that meeting with the EPA? And it's like, really, um, you know, I wasn't a darling, and would you say that to John over here if John had organized it? No, I don't think so. But And Jill asked me if I, you know, gave a comeback. And, and I said, no, because I give, I feel like I give so many comebacks. I'm always on this, you know, and, and, uh, but that wasn't really all of it. I thought about it afterward. And it's because you're so gobsmacked. You're so stunned that, um, this has happened that you just don't even have a response. Like, what are you going to say? Don't call me darling, darling, you know? So I, I, I didn't have a response anyway. So I'm sure Jane in politics you have. Um, and if you're just joining us, Jane Thornthwaite, MLA from North Vancouver is here. She's done tremendous work around bullying, cyberbullying. but surely you've had uh, uh, challenges working in um, a man's world as a politician, as a female politician. Well, wasn't there a recent song that just came out on the radio, Don't Call Me Baby? <laughs> Anyways, you're a young guy here in the back can probably get that one really quick and then you can get off the Tom Jones stuff. Exactly. <laughs> I'm on to the underwear stuff, but go ahead. Anyways, yeah, um, yeah for sure. Uh, we've, we've, we've got, you know, great strides, I mean, provincially, municipally, and certainly on school board about getting more women involved in politics, but um, it's still definitely a man's world. I remember when Linda Reed, who is our current speaker, and she's been around, uh, she was first elected in 1991, and she said the, the biggest challenge in the legislature building was finding a woman's bathroom. Wow. So yeah, yeah, interesting. now they've, they've kind of uh, 
got you know, some porta poly pink porta potties over there pink for us. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, no, no, it's still a man's world um, about just about everything, and certainly women in politics, women in um, in uh, you know leadership positions, uh, what they wear, what they what wear, the, what is they wear, huge. their makeup, their hair, exactly. how they look. What? I mean, I bet you if you asked anybody what color tie. Uh, Rich Coleman was wearing uh, at one point or what uh, my friend John Yap was wearing as far as a bow tie, etc. Nobody really notices what tie, what, what ties uh, the MLAs and the ministers or are what wearing. Or, or what anybody's weight is. There's always reference to women's weight, Kathy Kovacs, as well as here as uh, CTV, former CTV sports broadcaster and author and freelance journalist. And you were saying about the chocolate face, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, and that defined you and actually led to an eating disorder. Um, the focus on looks and the focus on what we wear and you know what we wear can be an asset or it can be a liability according to this research study that I was talking about Um, it's really difficult to gauge what we should wear now I know I'm kind of dressed up tonight for you lady (laughs) (laughs) and I don't normally wear this (laughs) wear this but I I was trying to make a point about what is appropriate in in the workplace for women to wear and according to this study we should round it up a little bit if you're thinking about wearing a dress and a dress and a blazer dress it up a little bit yes you should go that little extra mile keeping in mind your culture we're all blonde and um you know apparently in darker economic times we should dye our hair darker because we have a better chance at getting a job and this is these are some of the things that have come out in this particular research study um for business women femininity and assets as an asset or liability um, by Catherine Noyes. um yeah so not easy out there well, I think that uh, that was brought loud and clear in the legislature a couple of years ago when uh, one of our opposition people made a comment about what the premier was wearing, um, because apparently you're not allowed to have cleavage if you're a woman. So uh, bottom line is the bar is much higher uh, when you're a woman. People pay attention to how you look, and they don't when you're a man, exactly. and they comment about what you're wearing. Exactly. And also, did you find, Kathy, that you had to work twice as hard as the sports male sports broadcasters? I'm, I don't know necessarily about twice as hard, but what I did notice is anytime I flubbed up or made a mistake or mispronounced somebody's names, oh. the phone lines would light up. And <laughs> a lot of people were watching just to see if I knew my stuff. And that's the stuff that always went wherever I went. Even in public, right. people would sit in a restaurant and try to quiz me. They try to stump me. And luckily, I, I, I thrive on that. But it right. also w- it was something that never happened to my male colleagues. And it still happens to this day. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and getting back to the, the premier's outfit a few years ago, um, I remember asking some women about that because it was, of course, it was front page news that one inch of cleavage with a particular camera angle was revealed. Um, but I asked a group of women um, at a dinner, about 12 of them, and about half of them said they thought the cleavage, showing the cleavage was inappropriate, and the other half thought it was fine. I thought, well, to those of you who are uncomfortable with your sexuality, um, you know, please, are you are you kidding me? So I just show cleavage all the time since then, basically. When <laughs> 
Well, I think I think you bring up a really good point, Maureen, because I think with when you we're always trying to encourage our daughters uh, to to go into fields that are not traditionally women field and we've done really well in medicine and law etc now we're going into this male law is still tough there's not that many women in law school yet uh you know there's not that many female lawyers it's much more difficult for female lawyers than it is for male lawyers it's a much more uh difficult um way climb to the top but my point was Uh, is that women have to support women they do absolutely and And, and women don't i think uh, uh, we will always be at a disadvantage always Mm -hmm until women start supporting women as much as men support men. I agree with you completely. I always say women will end the violence against women by supporting Mm -hmm. one another, not doing the crab in the bucket syndrome, pulling other women down. Once they they see them succeeding, then they want to pull them down. We also have to socialize our young girls to want to be something when they're five and six and seven years old and work toward that. People will say, well, how did she become a doctor? How did she become an engineer? She wanted to be an engineer. She was guided in in that direction. Um, And she worked toward that. You know, this isn't isn't just something that, and, and anything a woman wants to be, Anything that she's passionate about is is acceptable. But, yeah, we, we, we hurt ourselves by not supporting one another. And it actually hurt me on television because I, I knew all of this was out there because people told us in school. And I, I specifically tried to dress down and not show cleavage and to almost my detriment where all of a sudden the TSN, which is the mega Uber sports channel yeah. here in Canada, we're hiring women who, you know, I don't want to mention names, but somebody on a reality show who was involved in a female kissing session. And she is now one of their number one sports anchors. And she is good. There's no question yeah. that that was how she got into the business. Absolutely, yeah. And I think to my detriment, you know, maybe I was cute until I got pregnant and, you know, aged. I'm sure. You know, <laughs> you're still uh, cute. You're well, gorgeous. You know what you're I say, absolutely though? gorgeous. I used to have the 36s and now they're the 36 longs there, but... <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It still works. Nothing that's, a little. That's what pushes nice bras fabulous bra. Right, yeah, right. Right. So, but it did next it, package. Yeah, next, next exactly. Package, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we speaking of package. We have somebody on the line. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hi who who have I got here? You've got Lex from Surrey. Lex. Yeah. Oh, hey, Lex from Surrey. How are you? How are you doing? Good. I'm good. Good. I, I love the show. I love the topic today. It's always good to hear from powerful women in 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 politics and news and current events and stuff like that so it's it's really exciting show today Fabulous. but the reason i the reason i called in was you've been going on about your package all day <laughs> it's, it's really it's really piqued my interest i I'm, don't have a package let's not tweet this <laughs> tweet it out maureen mcgrath has no package <laughs> uh so would you like um the, some packages Absolutely. <laughs> my package would I'll you like my package yes I would love your package oh that's yeah. so sweet of you thank you that's so nice of you to even listen to the show and call in and compliment these wonderful gorgeous fabulous ladies here with me absolutely i listen every week and i, I love it every week oh that's so nice of you thank you so much you sound kind of young too anyway <laughs> young see young people are listening to the sex show i always knew it all right thanks so much just leave your information with our my fine tech producer there kenji who always does a great job uh ladies thank you so much for joining me i'm sorry we have to cut out on this but there's more talk ahead i'm sure so uh come on back uh, at, a, at a later date thanks for all the great work you've been doing jane around bullying and uh, anti-bullying and you know helping out the next generation basically so that doesn't happen to them and ladies show your cleavage okay anytime <laughs> All right.
right. I'm Maureen McGrath. You are listening to the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. When I return, Cal Desange, Girls and Gangs. Welcome back. Great to be here with you. I'm Maureen McGrath, your host of the CKNW Sunday Night Sex Show. Uh, we cover a lot of subjects on this show because uh, everything I find in life is related to sex and sexuality, except for sex. Sex is about power. Uh, on the line with me right now is Cal Desange. He has been with the VPD for the past 15 years, and he's now running for city councilor in Surrey under the one Surrey slate. Hello, Cal. Thanks for joining me. Maureen, thank you very much for having me on your show. Oh, you're welcome. We met a couple of weeks ago at the Global Girl Power event. We both have a very similar interest uh, and objective to raise awareness and end violence against women and end violence as well, um, because violence uh, uh, hits so many aspects of our society. And I was interested in the great presentation that you gave and uh, the videos that you demonstrated as well around girls and gangs, because we don't think that girls actually join gangs, but this is getting to be a big problem in our society, and, and in Surrey in particular. Absolutely, it is. As far as I'm concerned, I think the general public needs uh, a greater insight with respect to uh, that this issue, with respect to youth getting into gangs, is multifaceted in nature. It's just not boys anymore. Uh, a clear indication of that was uh, an individual, uh, specifically I should say a mother of a four-year-old, who was uh, killed in a vehicle in a drive-by shooting. Uh, a few years back, and uh, she was just on her way to breakfast with her four-year-old sitting in the back seat, and she just happened to be the wife of a gangster at the time. So it's essentially no holds barred at this point, where essentially, uh, prior to this point, uh, it primarily used to be uh, gang members in opposition to your gang who were the targets of these type of hits. But now it's, uh, you know, like I said, it's uh, they're going out of bounds, and they're targeting family members as well, and, and especially the women. So whether you're a girlfriend, whether you're a wife, or you're a mother of a child that belongs to a gangster, you're in it. And that's kind of the wrong place at the wrong time, or accepting b a bad behavior on the part of your husband or partner. But they're also recruiting girls into gangs, is what I understand, because girls tend to do better in street gangs because they have better people skills than males, uh, according to some research that I read recently out of uh, London, England. Um, girls are also more likely to rise through the ranks. So that, that can be pretty attractive, especially to a young girl who has not had much in her life, that has not had much love or has not had much opportunity or has um, been neglected or not had the clothes and the iPhones and the iPads that, that her friends at school perhaps have had. Well, I'm not going to go as far as insinuating that a lot of these individuals come from lower socioeconomic backgrounds or from dysfunctional family backgrounds. A lot of them can be from middle-class families as well. However, you're absolutely right. When there's always been that neglect of attention and you haven't been necessarily getting it from your parents or uh, from anywhere else, then unfortunately, uh, as opposed to looking to constructive sources uh, for that attention, you start looking at destructive forces and you start identifying uh, with individuals who are showing you attention now and who are bearing gifts, so to speak, and basically telling you if you join our gang, uh, you'll be a part of a larger family. And with that family concept, will also come uh, some real financial benefits to it as well. So they see the money, they see the lure of that lifestyle, the flash, the cash, and they're attracted to it. 
And and girls, they say, use their superior people skills to carry out some of those trusted tasks like money laundering and banking and criminal activities, and they're really placing themselves at risk. But this is another reason um, these girls who are recruited into gangs have a vulnerability, whatever it is. It may not be that they're from a lower socioeconomic background. It may be middle class or upper middle class, but that vulnerability is that they're they're perhaps not good enough. They're not loved enough. Their self-esteem is low. All the more reason we need to educate girls and empower girls and make girls feel good about themselves um, in, in, as you say, in constructive ways? Well, well, absolutely. I mean, I don't want to necessarily go into um, socioeconomic theory here, but at the same time, when you're dealing with uh, a a patriarchal uh, culture or society that uh, subjugates or objectifies women to some degree, then what essentially happens is when these women come into these relationships or are recruited, uh, in a lot of times, I mean, they're simply being utilized as pawns on the chessboard. And by that, I'm also implying that they could become part of prostitution rings, which uh, then they're being utilized as instruments for economic gain by their gangster boyfriends or husbands. And not necessarily even that, these girls that were escorts at one point in, or uh, prostitutes at one point in time then go on, uh, go on to run their own prostitution rings because they understand the economic benefits to be derived from that. So it's uh, drugs, prostitution, and uh, extortion, assault, all this is lucrative business when uh, it comes to uh, drugs and gangs. And as you say, pawns for transport. And I saw, I read somewhere in that research study out of London that uh, the girls were smuggling weapons in their baby strollers uh, or helping to hide drug stashes. And so they're really placing their babies and their children at risk as well. Well, it is. And I mean, that's extreme. That's the disappointing part here. And that's what's extremely disturbing, Marine, because for myself, who was an officer for 15 years, uh, I've worked on the downtown east side on the beat. And I can tell you of multiple, multiple examples of girls that end up coming into the downtown east side, uh, well, not because they were lured by the lifestyle, but because they had drug addiction issues. And all of a sudden, now they're in the downtown east side in order to support their drug habit. They either start engaging in prostitution or either start engaging in open-air drug trafficking. Uh, These women end up at some point in time having children with other drug dealers. And because this is the only lifestyle they've known, now they start exposing their children uh, to this type of lifestyle as well, continue to live in the subsidized housing in the downtown east side, openly engaging in the uh, open-air drug market and uh, prostitution. And so when the children end up growing in this type of dysfunctional family environment, what are the real expectations for them to succeed? And and this is a multifaceted, complex issue involving mental illness, as you say, drug addiction, also gossip. These girls are, girls are brilliant at gossip. And uh, researchers found that it was females who actually keep in touch with the wider community, as well as all the gang members. And some admitted that they would receive 300 texts a day as they hunt for information. Uh, so in today's world of hunting and gathering, what's what we're seeking today is information, and girls are very good at that. I mean, this is a societal malignancy that really needs to be addressed, and you're running for city council, as I said earlier in the opening. Um, so what is it, uh, what is your vision? What do you see, and when, what are the ways that we can t- uh, help this or treat this societal malignancy? Well, for myself, Maureen, I mean, primarily the reason why I'm stepping into the arena of politics, which, mind you, I should clarify, I had no intentions of doing so until I was approached by Brenda Rosotti, who's the current mayoral candidate running under the One Surrey banner. She is aware of the several hundred programs that I've run in the community, whether that was presentations, conferences, or sports programs for kids. And that was almost always my goal, and it was always done on my dime and my time. 
Uh, it was in, there were some programs that I ran while on duty. A lot of the programs run while I was off duty as well mm-hmm. because I have a passion for this. Uh, reaching out into the community, as far as I'm concerned, I think that's the responsibility of everyone and not just police officers. We have to make a social moral contribution if we're going to keep our kids out of drugs and gangs and take action. It can't be reactive. It has to be proactive. And it's for that reason that I designed these various types of programs and uh, bring us aware of my reputation and status in the community. And because of that, she brought me on board. So now what the plan here is that I'm able to take my concept of engaging youth and engaging uh, other partnerships in the community in a collaborative effort to keep these kids out of drugs and gangs, but putting on a larger scale so that essentially City Hall or the City of Surrey becomes an instrument uh, for use in terms of a greater good that we're able to utilize uh, whatever funds or capital are available to us and design specific programs that are targeting susceptible young individuals who are actively engaging in criminal lifestyles. And so what are the three most important uh, uh, aspects of your platform uh, as you set out um, on your campaign? Absolutely. So if, essentially, if I had to draw it out for you, it would be a triangle. So, And this has to be a triangular approach, and I'll explain why. One point of the triangle is going to be public safety. Another point is going to be social services, and another point is going to be traffic and safety. The public safety unit will be this insulation barrier between council and the police and other uh, respective um, sectors within the, the safety departments uh, of the city of Surrey. And so whether that includes uh, bylaw, whether that includes fire, police, uh, it's going to be a, a joint uh, collaborative effort. And so the public safety unit will have a director that will oversee all these emergency personnel services and report directly to us in terms of where the hotspots are, where the issues are, and what's being done. And then if we look at the social services committee, social services committee will take a look at the vulnerable sector. And vulnerable sector will have youth, the elderly, individuals with mental health disease. And so those are all groups of people that need to be specific, need to have specific and targeted plans in place that can deal with their respective issues. And lastly, traffic and safety. So by this, it makes almost a 360 degrees plan that's comprehensive in nature and addresses all aspects of crime and public disorder in the community and uh, issues of concern that are a keynote nature to everybody. It sounds outstanding, and I wish you the best of luck. I mean, anybody who wants to get on this wagon with me of raising awareness and ending violence against women and men and children and people on the street and the workplace, in the homes, uh, and uh, anywhere, basically, I'm, I'm with you. So I wish you all the best of luck in your uh, campaign uh, as you lead up to the election. Election day is when? November 15th. Okay. Uh, so everyone in Surrey, go out and vote for your city councilors if you want to uh, make big changes in that city. Thank you so much. Well, Maureen, thank you very much for giving me this time. And it was a real pleasure meeting you at GGP, and uh, it's always a pleasure connecting with you. Yeah, it was great. I think we're, we're connected. We're on, the same, uh, we're on the same wavelength. Thanks so much, Cal. That was Cal Desange, and he has been with the VPD for the past 15 years, and he's now running for city councilor in Surrey. So if you want to predict the future, you want to know how those elections are going to turn out, you're going to want to stay with the program because Joanne, a psychic medium, joins me. She's a clairvoyant and empath. Well, that'll wake me up. You should play that at the beginning of the show. (laughs) Anyway, that's fine. You know what they say about great sex? It's over way too fast, and so is this program. I wanted to mention that next Saturday, November 15th, I will be up in Kelowna 
uh, with Norm Letnick, another MLA. I, uh, equal opportunity here. Uh, from 1 to 3 p.m., I'm going to be talking about sexual health and sexual health matters. It's important. So all ages are welcome. It's going to be held at University of British Columbia at Okanagan at the Engineering and Management Building. Follow me on Twitter at Back the Number 2, The Bedroom. My website, www.backtothebedroom.ca. Have a sexually healthy week and uh try not to have that boring sex oh my gosh the sex tip the hot sex tip it involves silver balls what <laughs> i totally forgot i'm gonna have to you're gonna have to listen in next week and i'll i'll lay the whole thing out for you my friends okay i'm maureen mcgrath you have been listening to the cknw sunday night sex show